Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. No, don't do it. No. Please, no. Get back, get back, get back to where you want to belong. Get back. I feel like I'm in a Harry Potter film because you're going, get back and pointing at me. It's like, you're a wizard, Harry. I can't wait. Today is the new documentary about the Beatles on on the Disney Channel. Six hours. Six hours, oh my God. so... Because Nicola, I'm Liz, Nicola... I'm Nicola. ...is like a member of the royal household and she's decided she's turning off her notifications at seven o'clock. I am. I become unavailable at seven. So I am going to become like a member of the royal household and when I'm going to be watching the Get Back documentary, I'm going to turn my notifications off and I'm going to turn the collies off. Good luck with that. Good luck. So that I can concentrate on Paul McCartney. So it'll be just you and Paul... And I've watched the trailer many, many, many times. And you've got the Beatles on the roof of Savile Row building, which is where the Apple HQ was. And they're all wearing Afghans and brightly coloured cords and long hair. And then the camera pans down to street level and there's all these men in bowler hats. And it's like the Beatles are time travellers because they are so far ahead of their time. You have to remember how England was at that time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a huge of... contrast, isn't it, between the different types of society? Just absolutely shows that they were time travellers and ahead of their time and they came from somewhere else. I cannot wait six Should be interesting. hours. Oh dear. So you're incommunicado for six yeah. hours. But I, you know, one of the reasons I love the Beatles is, and I'm looking at all the covers of the albums... Rubber Soul, I'm looking at the cover of Rubber Soul, that just reminds me, I borrowed Rubber Soul from my sister Lynn, and this was in the 60s, and she was working at Dickens and Jones in London because she thought that would be part of Swing in London, but it wasn't, she was just in the knitting department, she never saw anyone famous. (laughs) Knitting department. (laughs) So I had Rubber Soul, and I was going to lend it to a friend at school and show them the cover, and I left it on the number 11 bus. Oops. And I don't think she ever forgave me for leaving Rubber Soul on the bus. Oops. I did actually text you the other day, didn't you, and said that I'd listened to a John Lennon song and I really liked it. But which song was it? I can't remember. I can't remember. See... I've saved it on my playlist. Nicola is a very strange person because she doesn't like the Beatles. I don't. 
And she's never watched Sex and the City. I haven't. I am going to at one point because I am being bullied now, not only by you but by your readers, that I must watch it. I'm going to read. Just because it. it's got women in it, she thinks it's girly. It's probably the least girly thing you're ever going to watch. It's not stupid Harry Potter, which is for children. I love Harry Potter. It's for children. I've go- never, ever read a Harry Potter book. Have you not? That's terrible. I remember on one of my first dates with my future husband, we went to see Gladiator at the screen on the green and he brought me a present. Those were the days when he was nice to me and it was a Harry Potter book and I said, I don't read Harry Potter, it's for children. It's a really good book. I said, I might have had Botox, but how young do you think I am? Oh, no, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And the films, please tell me you've watched the films. The films have got no humour in them. They're awful. They're brilliant. They've got no plot. They're brilliant. <laughs> I'm not keen on Emma Watson either. I was very rude about Emma Watson earlier in the week because I wrote a very, 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 very funny review for the Mail about Adele's concert and audience it with. It was very funny. And I said, there was Emma Watson's oleaginous face in the crowd. <laughs> And all Adele kept shouting was, Idris, Idris, where's Idris Elba? I would be shouting, Idris, Idris, where's Idris Elba? I mean, so priorities. it was a very, very, very funny review of Adele's an audience with. Because I just thought it was awful. And I said in it, you know, she's not Beyonce. She's not Whitney Houston. She's not even Des O'Connor. <laughs> How low can you sink? So I don't really think Adele's my friend anymore. No, I, was, she, was she your friend? Well, no, she's never really been my friend, no, because um, I remember when I went to interview her when she was very early in her career and she cancelled just as I was arriving at the building and I'd travelled about 500 miles. She never even apologised. She chain-smoked when we did eventually meet up and then she said, oh, I'm going to take a few months off to be with my friends. I don't care what the record company says. Right. So I don't oh, agree with that attitude. Money. Oh, to have the money to do that. Well, also to have the self-confidence. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've been writing for 40 years. I never, ever leave my screen in case someone wants me to do something. I'm, like, no. poised. I wouldn't dare. It's a lot of confidence because, I mean, in the music industry, you go quiet and you're forgotten. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very hard, you know, and it's like a comeback, isn't it? It's a big thing. You know, you haven't made anything for... So I've, made a, I've made a comeback. I You've think. made a comeback. You've reached. We had a Miranda Priestley moment, didn't we? We now? did indeed. And this was prompted by the fact I'd just written a piece about the return of the Bodycon. She has very good piece, and apparently it's back. And so I, I wrote this piece, and it begins. There's something empowering about a Bodycon. It's like being hugged by a very forgiving friend. It holds you in, shores you up. It makes you stand tall when you might be in the dumps. I admit it can be a little unforgiving. It's like being in a very close relationship with a boa constrictor. So why do I love it? It's because it heralds the death of the tea dress. The sort of passive-aggressive floaty number we all know hides a harridan who minds if you put the teaspoon directly on her ironed tablecloth. Who has time to iron tablecloths? We'd get someone to do it for you, wouldn't you? We bodycon birds care little for such domestic trifles or even trifle. Fay, no trifle. Eat one and you'd never squeeze into <laughs> one of these babies. And let's face it, I'm just not a wafty sort of person. I don't float 
In a bodycon, you strive, you dive, and as Megan would say, you thrive. Thrive, yes. No, body. let's face it, if you're out to pull, you're not going to choose a tea dress, so you're going to choose the bodycon dress well, you are. I think it's really, it's all about the dress, not making you look like a little girl, not romantic or edgy or mumsy or frumpy or COVID comfy. See, I'm a poet as well. COVID comfy. It's about being sexy. That's why you want to wear a hot dress, because you want to, you want to be sexy. And you feel good, don't you? you so you I said it's do. not a bodycon. It's not about cost per wear. It's cost per stare. It is. It is. But, obviously, but. if... But... Oh, yeah, Liz is complaining about how much I say but. I say but too But you much. say Does but I? so loudly and do so I? often. Do I? It's my yeah. little bit of emphasis. However, I'm going to use that instead. If you're not built like Liz and you're built like me, get stared at for the right reason and get some really good underwear. <laughs> I think it's the tip. quality of the fabric. It's going to hold you in. It's got to have good seams, isn't it? And I remember I went for a drink quite early on in the relationship with my ex and I wore my nude Victoria Beckham bodycon. And the reason I got a second date is he, he said it showed the outline of my pubic bone. Oh, my God. See, now I'm introducing a new segment this week. It's my turn. I'm going to introduce the cringe segment because that has just made me cringe so badly. But that's what we're about, isn't it? We're about frank talking. We are. We are. We are. But now I've seen your, you in a bloody tight dress and your pubic so bone. So my Miranda Priestley moment this week, what did I say, Nick? Having... Said to her, I've just filed my copy. <laughs> and she said, it's a good job. I'm so full of talent. <laughs> very good job, Jones. Very good I job. I actually did say that. She did. She did. And she was very pleased with herself. <laughs> it's a very good piece, though. And you can read that, can't, can't they? Like, we'll put the link up with the podcast. Yeah. And what have you been up to this week, Nicola, apart from threatening all sorts of things? <laughs> Well, I've made a discovery. I have discovered filters. Let's talk filters. This isn't for Instagram, is it? No, no, no. I was chatting to Tina on, on Messenger, Your Facebook, on, on video call. And as you do when you're 50 plus, we, we, we were chatting away and we started using filters. So you can change your appearance by putting filters and you can put backgrounds on, all different things. And I do a fantastic drag queen, RuPaul's Drag Race, move over. I've got a fantastic filter for that. But we discovered one called Cute With Eyelashes. Oh, my God. I have never looked so good in my life. Not when I was 20. Not ever have I ever looked this good. But what is the point of this? Because you know how you look and whatever her name is knows how you look. Well, we actually spent a good hour... Where so we tell me what the point of it is. Um, I am. Are you I chatting am. up a man that you haven't met? Well, no, no, we were just chatting. But the joy of looking into the camera and not looking at all your double chins and everything, it was fantastic. We were just preening herself. We were stroking her skin, going, oh, my God, I've never looked so good. I've never looked so attractive. It must have been how you felt after the facelift. Do you know what I mean? You You look and you think... That doesn't look up. That's fantastic. It's like incredible. And then I realised. No, no. I, I have to. I have to interject here. Go on. I'm not a vain person. I swear, on Grace's life, I never look in the mirror no. ever. And whenever I'm away, and Nick has to stay here looking after my daughter, which isn't often, 
I always come back and she's tilted the mirror in my bathroom. Don't touch my thing. Well, I can't see otherwise. I'm two foot shorter than you. Looking at herself in the mirror. Why are you doing that? I'm putting my gloss on. And then I got a shot the other day because she's always borrowing my car. She never, ever puts the seat back to where it was. So I have to do it. That's A, that's rude. Then I get rid of the sun in my eyes and she's got the mirror open on the shock that I see myself. I don't want to look at that. You've got the mirror open on the visor for the yeah, sun. Yeah, I put my lip gloss on and stuff. You don't need a mirror. Oh. So she is the vain one. No. I had a facelift because I was paid for it. No, honestly, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm far from vain because there's no point. It well, why do you always touch my mirror me. then? Then I have to get the pledge well, out. When you clean your teeth and that, you have to look in the mirror. No, you don't. Yes, you do. But literally, this is the best, like, back to my filters, this is the best thing. But, but, but you're looking at yourself. See? And I'm stroking, and Tina was doing exactly so, and it was like we were all spaced out on drugs or something, because we're staring into the screen, stroking her face, going, oh, I've never looked so good, this is amazing. Then I realised that the filter only does your face. I still had a scraggy turkey neck underneath. So I'm trying to put my hand under my chin and pull my chins back and stretch my neck down to get the effect but to I go don't longer. See the point of it. Well, I do, because when I used to have a boyfriend in Germany, he was stationed in Germany. And he wasn't really a boyfriend. Whatever you want to call him. He used to sort of, like, message me and say, OK, let's, let's chat on FaceTime. And I'd have to rush off, put makeup on, do my hair, get the, ca- you know, the, the camera sort of at the right angle so it's not doing the scraggy neck and it's not up your nose. No, you don't look like that. It doesn't matter. It, is, it, it was in Germany. It, it wouldn't have been refreshed. His memory wouldn't have been refreshed too soon. Now, now, no running to the bathroom, piling on the makeup, curling the hair and doing it all in three minutes while you're pretending well, to find you your phone. why didn't you tell me that yesterday then? No, on Monday when I had a business Zoom meeting, you let me spend two hours putting the makeup on. I don't know if they do it on Zoom. I mean, this is on Messenger. But honestly, never again will I panic if I've got to speak to a man I fancy on Messenger. I'll just put my filter on. No need to do but anything. how do you know the man hasn't done it? Well, he might have Suddenly, done. he might give himself hair and teeth. But can you imagine, though, if you're like this younger generation, they meet people online and they talk to them online be- and before they even ever have a, a date in person. I mean, I, w- I would. I'd use the filter. I'd use the damn filter. If you then meet them, all of a sudden, you're going to age 40 years. I love it. If I'd have known about this years ago, I'd have just lived as a filter. I would have. <laughs> Never mind all that. Thrilled, thrilled. Because, and the main point of this podcast... Is to educate everyone on how amazing filters are. No, it's this week's column is unmissable. And the heading, do you want to know the heading? What's the heading? In which the movie star gets in touch. I hope you put your filter on. And do you remember from last week, I sent him a photo and said, this is me now, and it was 11 years old and you doctored it. Exactly. So you wouldn't (laughs) need to do that. You wouldn't need to do that on your video call. You just put your cute eyelashes on and you're well away. So after all the sex with the ex, read last week's column. Hashtag cringe. And the sugary cappuccinos and the avocado and sourdough and the mini bar gin and tonic and the crisp square hotel pillows. Why are pillows never like they are in hotels? I don't know. Why are they not crisp and square? I don't know. There are people, aren't there, that just live in hotels. I'd like to be one of those. Yeah, I'm going to go and live in it. No, I'd really like that. It'd be like cheaper. That. 
It, and it'd just be so nice, wouldn't it? Uh, no, that's what I want to do. I got home, and all I got after all the sex and the sugary cappuccinos and the mini bar gin and tonic in the square hotel pillows was a text about the new emissions charge in London. There was nothing about how lovely it was to touch my smooth, hairless skin, to see me naked, to kiss me. It brought to mind not just my birthday, Nicola, nothing, 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 oh, bar God, an email us. from the Kennington Tandoori, but also the missives between a couple in the news for a tempestuous affair and a scandal. This was all over the news. They'd had an affair. She was a CEO. He was her lover. She sent him, you are the breeze in the desert for me, my water and ocean, meant to be only together, tiger. And do you know what he replied? God. OK. <laughs> What is it with these monosyllabic men? I don't men? know. It, it's completely wasted. But then, just as I was despairing, I got an email from the movie star, the first man I ever slept with, although we didn't have sex. We did kiss, though. Which means my spell, putting two pins in a red candle and saying his name, must have worked. He sent me an email and I remember calling you when I got the email. So if that works, I'm going to try the same thing with pins in a voodoo doll with my ex. See if that works. He sent me a photo of me with my flatmates at a party in 1978. Mm. In a corner... Of the photo is the actor Neil Pearson. Do you know who that is? No. He plays Bridget's boss in all the Bridget Jones films. Oh, okay. I didn't See, fancy him. She, so doesn't I didn't know, take... she doesn't know anything. Well, he's not fanciable, so I wouldn't he take that notice. Is. He's not. He was wearing a denim waistcoat. <laughs> I was shocked, not just at what I was wearing in the photo, a cheesecloth shirt dress. I had a lot of cheesecloth. I had a lot of cheesecloth. It, it was fashionable, to be fair, at the time. I mean, we're talking... But I was shocked at my hair. My hair was young. It was shiny. It wasn't a crispy black carapace that it is now. I was smiling. I don't remember smiling, ever. And because when I opened the movie star's email, and at the end of this it tells you what film he was in, I was so disappointed at the lack of passion or communication from the person I'd just had sex with. I responded saucily to the email. But where are you in the photo? <laughs> he replied, I've got lots of ghastly photos of me, but I thought I'd spare you those. To which I responded, no, send them. I can make them into posters. Said she who doesn't flirt. I don't but flirt, But he didn't understand. You know, he replied to that with a question mark. So I said, oh dear. because you were such a pin-up. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That doesn't bode well. He came back with, well, it certainly didn't seem that way to me. And then I'm afraid I lost it. Forget playing it cool. I typed, you were beautiful. I'm sure you still are. Oh, dear. Oh dear! You, that was bold. See, wasn't when it? you throw caution to the wind, you just chuck it all out there. So I've written here that I texted Nick. I've been flirting with Russell. The spell worked. He doesn't sound married. Have you found out yet? No. Oh dear! Don't think that's funny. Saying he doesn't sound no, married. No, he doesn't sound married. I did ask, didn't I? How does someone sound? <laughs> 
She said, nothing on Wikipedia. So I said, no, I've deep searched. <laughs> so she said, ask him. I said, well, he hasn't responded to the beautiful email yet. He was probably drinking that in. Maybe you should doctor another photo, Nick. Me in a swimsuit, airbrushed. <laughs> this actually happened. Anyway, the movie star then went all silent, probably because I'd said you were so beautiful, you probably still are. I wanted to go away over New Year. And when you want to go away over New Year, you sort of need a boyfriend, don't you? It's a bit sad to be on New Year's Eve on your own. Well, you kind of think that, don't you? And then by New Year's Day, you'll be saying, he's done this, this, this and this. Yeah, he got a knife out and cut the lemon when he should have been ripping me cashmere off. Yeah, see, it's not how you expect it to be. Anyway, I'm on a waiting list because of all these bastards who keep going on holiday. I'm on a waiting list for a cottage at Time in the Cotswolds. It's a high-end retreat that has a spa and takes dogs. Well, you don't need a man for that, do you? You just get lots of lots and lots of treatments and nice food. So I emailed my ex, the one I had sex with, and I said, oh, have no. a look. Massages, lovely food. <sighs> Why do we always have to bribe them? Massages, lovely food. I'm sorry, but he should be paying you, not you bribing him. And then he said, I'm going to Hastings for Christmas. As we're not in a relationship, I didn't think I'd be seeing you. I said, well, I didn't invite you for Christmas. So I said, well, that's nice. Who's in Hastings? He said, I can't say. I said, why can't you say? He said, because I don't want it to be in the newspaper. See? And you're... So... Shouldn't have gone there. Bam! My good intentions turned to dust. I felt a chill wash over me. A real feeling of upset and doom. My job pays for three nights at a time, in theory. Lovely food, massages, with more square pillows. <laughs> the important stuff. But his friends, who I wouldn't have written about anyway, are all secretive, as if I'm the devil and they are what? Interesting? I blocked his number. Chippy idiot. Can we? Oh, back to Chippy. Chippy. I'll let you. I'll let you have it. But today. I can just see them all talking to each other. Say, oh, we'll come for Christmas, but don't tell that bloody journalist. But an ex oh, is an off. ex for a reason, Jones. They are exes for a reason. Leave them as exes. No, well, I've been trying to get the movie star, haven't but I? It, well, just focus your attention. I elsewhere. think it's called fishing or something, isn't it? When you try and get someone. Is it? I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I've been out of the game for so long, I have no idea. I think they're better off when you're just looking at them from a distance and wanting them, and you don't actually but get I them. But I want someone to go on a mini break with me. But you've got the puppies, you can have a massage. But New Year's Eve, you can't just sit at a table on your own with the dogs. People will think you're a pariah. No, but if you go to a lot of New Year's Eve parties, it's sort of like an interactive dinner party, don't you? You can meet people. You can go on singles New Year's Eve parties where everyone's single and you can meet I someone. I don't want to meet anyone. I just want Russell. What do you mean? Oh, God. Well, don't, don't dive back into the old basket. The other day I was, I was going along, and this is, this is what you want to do. Nice young man jogging along and he stopped I mean literally he stopped and he took his top off and he was triangle I was so excited I nearly ran him over were you in a car I was I was driving up <laughs> and you know you when you drive you you gravitate to what you're looking towards don't yeah. you and I was gravitating towards him and as he very it was like a sort of film thing he took the top off and he I'm like oh he's triangle oh lovely 
And I was sort of heading towards him. <laughs> and he smiled and I giggled. That's what you want. That's the nice bit. That's the nice bit. And then you drive on and your illusions are never shattered. You can read this week's diary in full Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Well, at the moment, all I'm doing, until I can get my little quiet time with Paul McCartney, is I've been watching Great British Bake Off. Oh. I mean, I don't eat, I don't cook, I keep my shoes in the oven, but I love the Great British Bake Off. It's, uh, it's an institution, isn't it? Professional MasterChef is back on the BBC, Marcus. Marcus, I don't get it. He's a bit squaggy. He absolutely. If he didn't cook, he'd be my ideal man, Marcus. Really? He's just got lovely teeth. No. Bit northern. Twinkly eyes. Dad, well, that's Paul Hollywood. He's all twinkly and sort of. No, he's too jobby. No, but he he obviously cooks good food. He's got books out called Pies and Puds and stuff like that. He obviously is going to feed me well. But all of this reminded me of when I interviewed Gordon Ramsay in 2005. From the archive. And he came to my house and taught me to cook. And I think he's still ashen and exhausted from it. I'd quite like that. Tell us about that. I quite like that. So I wrote, I'm really nervous at the prospect of Gordon Ramsay coming to my house to teach me to cook. First, because I'm worried he will refuse to take his shoes off. Second, because he will find me so pathetically wanting in the kitchen department that he will fly into a rage and flick me with a tea towel. He might do. You never know what that man's going to do. Have you actually got saucepans and stuff for him to use? I had a saucepan, but he found that on the bottom was still the price tags. I'd never used it. <laughs> He barges into my hallway armed with several Tupperware boxes and a pasta-making machine. I've come across so many women your age. What a cheat. <laughs> Instant. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've come across so many women your age who are completely pathetic when it comes to cooking. They can't even make a bloody omelette, for Christ's sake. What happens when they have children? Well, that ship has sailed, I told you. Welcome, Gordon. Come in. Make yourself comfortable. <laughs> You get a nanny, don't you? Yeah, get a nanny. Although by now I was feeling strangely attracted to Gordon's sheer physical presence, which is unusual for me because he's a meat eater, so I'm very glad I'm not married to him. He continued, I once got home late and my wife was with some girlfriends and they'd put some ready meal lasagnas in the oven with the two drink to remove the wrappers and <laughs> so they caught effing fire. <laughs> Before Gordon arrived... I emailed him a long and footnoted and asterisk list of my likes and dislikes. I'm a vegetarian who doesn't eat dairy. I don't like mushrooms, aubergines, peppers or anything in a stack. I like baby tomatoes, but I don't like big tomatoes. Give Gordon his due, he didn't complain, but rose to the challenge. Great kitchen, he said, love the stainless steel caressing my worktop. Well, at least you've got something caressed. <laughs> Now, he said, rubbing his hands together and rearranging my original 1970s Arne Jacobson kitchen chairs. What did you cook last week? What have you cooked ever? I tell him I have a very strange relationship with food. 
I'm a recovered anorexic and at the drop of a hat will forgo dinner if given the chance. I've never made a cake. I've never owned flour. I've never used my double oven. Last week, I heated some mashed potato from M&S for dinner because I can't be bothered to peel potatoes. I can relate to that. I came of age at the height of feminism and always saw cooking as beneath me. And anyway, I'm always far too busy and tired to shop for food and cook it and then clear it up. Don't tell me you're too tired to cook something from scratch once a week, says Gordon. Wiping my kitchen table while tying an apron around my middle, he touched me. Oh. And he tucked a tea towel into my waist. I wish we could have YouTubed that. He's the first man I've ever met who can multitask. And then he spotted Snoopy, my cat. Why do you let your cat sit on the effing breadboard, he said, losing patience. My reply, that it gave Snoopy a better view, because he was watching the proceedings, <laughs> fell on deaf ears. And he said, oh, F me. Oh, he's very masculine, isn't he? I quite like a manly man. He said, you need to see cooking as something you enjoy, not as a chore before you dash to watch telly. I tell him that it's usually my husband who does the cooking, but it's an activity I always try to discourage because he's so messy. I threw away the frying pan because he was always making omelettes. I told Gordon my husband is due home on Thursday after three months away and I want to be able to cook a romantic dinner that would impress him and not make him want to spit it out, which is what he normally does when I heat something up. Gordon wants to see what sort of palate I have. He was like a dentist. Oh. He makes me smell and taste something chopped and green. Um, lawn mowings? He frowns so hard he resembles a Chinese Sharpay even more closely. No, that's parsley. <laughs> Next up is something brown. Mushrooms? No, those are olives. He says he's planning to make homemade tortellini and ravioli stuffed with goat's cheese. I hate goat's, hate cheese. goat's cheese. Roasted pine nuts, basils and chives and a tomato sauce. He runs a finger along my knife. I tell him I don't have a sharpener. When one of them no longer works, I buy a new one. And it's not like they get used anyway. He keeps asking me for things I don't have. A working womb, a rolling pin, a slotted spoon, nutmeg. No, no. I don't have any of those things. He puts one of my lovely steel pans on to boil, removing its sticky price label first. Another he fills with ice water... Do you know what that is for, he says. He has a tendency to say things right in my face. Um, in case I burn a finger? No, it's to cool the pasta so it doesn't go soggy. I thought pasta was meant to be soggy. He never uses tin tomatoes, only ones on the vine. He only buys the very best. He uses a red onion, the lawn mowings, and I forget what else. Salt! I have an unopened box of Malden salt. Chopped olives. He does everything really quickly with little thought of my floor and things falling on it. I bet you would And then he gets his cutter out and he makes marks on my wooden table, which I'd bought from my friend India. And it was a dressmaking table with still with a tape measure on the side. I remember that, actually. I he made a mark that on that. But at least it was Gordon Ramsay a making a mark. You know what I mean? It's not like I put a cup of coffee on there. It's a special mark. Anyway, I can't help feeling Gordon's stomach by mistake. I gave him a poke. 
by mistake, yes. I was reaching for yes. the goat's cheese. I was going to lob it out the window. Oh, yes, because the goat's cheese was, was so... And it was rock yes. hard. It was rock hard. Oh, baby. And he felt me poke him and he said, I'm not that fit at the moment, he said. He said he's got a hernia, not a hernia, but a groin strain. Every time I make a pastel parcel, he examines it and then tears it up in front of my eyes. I'm close to tears. We then boil his parcels, so mine are rejected, which are like beautiful little miniature works of art for two minutes. And you know what I then said, which sent him into a rage, so he packed up his boxes and left. I dread to think. I said, someone who's never used her saucepan, to a multi-Michelin-starred chef. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you sure the pasta's had long enough? You didn't. I did. Oh, God, no. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Do we still have any readers, listeners? We do. I should imagine most people are now fast-forwarding the first 10 seconds of this podcast, in case you've seen... I would imagine that we're losing... I like my singing. No one else does. We had a tweet saying that your singing was was actually worse than Alley Cats screaming. I like Alley Cats. I like Alley Cats, but you don't want to listen to them scream, do you? <laughs> so, for the ones that are left after the singing, we have a lovely one, actually, from someone called Freya. And she says, My name's Freya. I'm 23 and currently studying for my journalism degree. For one of my courseworks, we were asked to pick two exemplary journalists from a list and review them. So somewhere where someone is doing a degree in journalism, there's a list with my name on it. There is. And actually, my writing is in an Oxford University textbook because they asked me for permission to use it and they paid me £200. So I'm on a list as well as in a textbook. And in Oxford textbooks. Not like, you know, I don't know, Sunderland's, Oxford's. Can I carry on now? Shall I, repeat? Shall I repeat that again? I'm on a list. You're on a list of exemplary journalists. I wonder who else was on it. Doesn't matter, she picked you. Ask her. She picked you, though. She picked Oscar. you. I'm just messaging to say I'm so grateful that this coursework led me to find your writing. Researching you and reading your work has been like therapy for me. You put in words things that I've never been able to explain. When you said the act of writing things down makes them less real, I have never related to something so much. I didn't even realise that's why I wrote everything down until I read that. I struggle with an ever-changing self-image, self-loathing, and the way you are so unapologetically honest with us about how you are feeling each week, even if it differs from the last, has brought me so much comfort. I no longer feel so alone with that because of you. So thank you for continuing to write whatever the hell you want, despite how others may perceive it. You are helping people who get it more than you know. We love Freya, don't we? We love Freya. I wrote back to Freya, actually, and then she asked me a question because she wanted to quote me in her thesis. So I gave her a little quote and she said her lecturer was very impressed. Oh. Well, we get a lot of emails that say that people write in to, and don't get an answer. I write to people, so, they don't answer me. Yeah. They accuse, they get restraining orders. I've... <laughs> yeah, but you have to be a little bit circumspect what you put. <laughs> so that's nice. 
so we also have Anne and the girls who says, Dearest Nick, just a hello and I hope you're well. Loved the podcast this week. And this is the funny bit. Listen to it twice because him indoors kept interrupting me to find his reciprocating saw blade. Because, you know, I carry it around with me while I hoover. Why do men do that? Why do men ask you for things? I don't know. Why are we supposed to know where everything is and go and where find it for this? them? Where is this? Where is that? You know why? Because they want us to go and look for it and find it and bring it to them. Because it's too much trouble to do it themselves. That's why. So she said, anyway, she loved it. Love you. Going over to Audible now to download Liz's book because you said to. Your devoted, besotted, ardent, enthusiastic, loyal gaggle of fans, Anne and the girls. We oh, love Anne we and love the girls. Anne and the girls. We love that. So hopefully they're Are her girls your human book. or are they colleagues? No, they they're human girls. They're human girls. They're a group of ladies that get together to listen to the podcast with with Why a bottle don't of wine. We do that. What well, we do that. Why don't we get together then a group of girls and listen to the podcast? Because we record the podcast. Oh, we don't yeah. want to listen to it again, do we? Well you do, you have to check I it. I do have to check it and actually it's excruciating. Listening to my voice. And the rubbish things I come well, out with. Well, shall is I make awful. it even worse for you? Oh God, go on. No. Get back. No, stop. Get back to where you once belong. Ah! Get back. Help. Get back. Get back to where you once belong. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.